Well, hello, Line Podcast listeners. Jen Gerson is back, joined by her son, who makes a couple of unscheduled appearances. He was home for the day uh, from school and had a lot to say. We got his thoughts on the independence of the Bank of Canada, and I think he gives the only honest answer. Anyway, it's great to have Jen Gerson back. Poek, Doug Ford being a vanishing marshmallow, the independence of the bank, as we mentioned, and why it's apparently okay to attack it from the left but not the right. Danielle Smith, and whether or not we're actually seeing a bit of a pendulum shift, are we watching the political center of gravity in this country go from the left to the right? We honestly don't know yet, but we're starting to notice some interesting things. All that and more on this edition of the Lines Experimental Podcast. Well, hello, Jen Gerson, and this is actually fun. Uh, we've barely spoken this week. You were traveling this week. Uh, I, I, we, well, I mean, we put some content in the bank. We had some stuff ready by the time you left, you left last week and you just got back what last night to, to yeah, the night before last. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been traveling too much. I went from not traveling at all for two or three years to all of a sudden every two weeks I've been going somewhere to some kind of event or whatever. And um, to be honest with you, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it, but at the same, and I felt very important. There's nothing better than walking through an airport with your business suit and your carry-on case and feeling so important. Like it's just, it's an absolute ego boost for me, but um, I don't want to travel for another few months. I'm kind of done. I kind of want to just stay home and have a really quiet, reflective, productive winter. So I'm really looking forward to not traveling for a while and being a little bit more on the ball, but credit to you, Matt, because the last week's been great, and I've had almost nothing to do with it. So you deserve full credit for working too hard. It's funny. I mean, I am working too hard this week, but it's not even just because you've been traveling. I mentioned this to you already. Um, a, a radio colleague of mine uh, in Toronto needed some time off, um, and uh, me and a few others are just pitching in. We're just taking some extra shifts uh, so that he can take the time off he needs. And I've been uh, on the air an extra four hours a day this week. Um <laughs> That's a lot. Well, uh, I would pity you, but at the same time, I know you very well. So, like, talking for an extra four hours a day is not that hard for you. It, you know what? It, by the end of the four hours, I got nothing left. Mm. Like, I, so I've, for the first time since before the pandemic, I've been working out of a workplace. I've been getting dressed. I've been, I'm taking the, the TDC to work every day downtown at uh, News Talk 1010, the mighty CFRB Toronto. And I get out of that studio and I'm like, great show, everybody. Great teamwork. Great job. And then I get on the subway and I'm like, <sighs> like, I just, I'm spent. I have nothing yeah. left to say. Um, you know what? This is a similar thing with, with, I had a similar experience because I was in San Francisco for a time and I had a blast in San Francisco. I crammed all of San Francisco into one day. Like I, I, I saw the Golden Great Bridge. I went to Fisherman's Wharf. I did the yeah. street trolley. I did everything. I was like, I was like, I, I wandered around Hyde Ashbury. Like I did everything. And um, oh yeah. And then I watched, uh, I watched the sun go down right next to the Golden Gate Bridge. It was really cool. And then I got to, I got flew out to Montreal for a panel, and I was kind of like overstimulated. I don't know if that sounds like I was, I, I was so excited to be traveling and doing and seeing stuff again. But then by the end of it, I was just like, I can't sleep. I'm overstimulated. I'm overstimulated. I need to go home. I need to go like to someplace quiet. Like, you know, like it's really funny. You know what happened to me? I mean, because now I've been back at an office this week. I was saying this to you. The next time my wife accuses me of not doing enough around the house, I'm going to point to the fact that in my absence this week, the house has just completely fallen into a heap. Uh, <laughs> I work from home 100% of the time, except for this week. And when I'm thinking about stuff like, hey, yeah. what should my next column be? 
I'm folding some laundry. Yep. And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this should be my thesis. And then I wander down to the kitchen. I'm like, oh, better unload the dishwasher, right? Yep. And then so like I get a lot done around the house while I'm idle from my actual work because I'm thinking about stuff. And it's like, hey, if I'm thinking, I might as well get out the Swiffer and get all that dog hair up. Me being actually out of the house in an office this week. Like if you could, like if you, you did not see the NORAD background behind me now, my house is a mess. So I'm going to have to take an hour or two this weekend. The kids just come home from school and trash it. And then yeah, they I trash it. And I don't have the energy to clean it. No. All right. Totally. Um, let's talk. So our lead dispatch item last week, and I think it will be again this week, is POEC, the Poic. Public Order Emergency Commission in Ottawa. And I got to be honest with you, I know that uh, Peter Stoley, we're filming this earlier than usual on, on Friday because of my radio um, shift today. I, I It hasn't been, uh, to me, a particularly interesting week. And what I mean by that is that I think everything we've really been hearing this week has just been reiterating what we were hearing last week. Peter Slowly, chief former chief of police in Ottawa, he resigned during the protest. He's up to testify today. And I'm fascinated to see what he has to say, but I'm going to have to read the testimony later. He's been the guy I'm most interested in hearing from. But I think the picture, Jen, this week is largely what it was last week, which was that there was a collapse of state capacity on the municipal level in mm -hmm. Ottawa. Okay. And if I think if the Ottawa authorities had handled this correctly, I don't think we would have had a national crisis. Mm, interesting. I think, okay, so I, I think mean, that it, failure was the domino that set this thing off. So you're the guy who's basically been been covering POEC for not just us, but also for TVO. So I mean, I've been I've been I've been working on other stuff, mostly my book, to be honest with you. Um, uh, so you know, there was no need to have two of us watching POEC the 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 hearings nonstop. But the general sense that I have from the hearings to date is that the justification for calling the Emergencies Act is 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 thinning out by the day. It's interesting. Um, there's two narratives happening at once. And I think the line you and I did an amazing job identifying this really early, like back in February, which is we understood the distinction between very serious situation and emergencies act required. Mm -hmm. And I think the POEC testimony is confirming in general that what was happening in February was indeed a very serious situation but it's undermining the narrative that the emergencies act was required. Okay. And what I find fascinating. Um, that one of your that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just Jamie. He's okay. just, he's just running back and forth. He's being he's cheerful in the background. He's um, very cheerful today. Um, what I'm looking at here is I, I think in general, and we've already told uh, the readers, I, we're not going to rush to any conclusions. We're going to let the testimony play out. We're going to review the documents. We're not doing this for the Twitter war. Like we're not grabbing yeah. every anecdote and going, aha. So we're, we're going to be patient, but I will on a preliminary basis say, I think the broad scope of the testimony is basically confirming what we already knew, but what it's doing is that it is deepening my suspicion that Trudeau called the Emergencies Act because he needed, for political reasons, a big dramatic show of leadership. Yep, makes sense. And I mean, I think that was that was our intuitive sense, even in when February. it was happening in yeah. February. Um, but we were very careful in in what we said and wrote, and and to to not back ourselves into a corner with that assumption because we didn't have all the facts. We just don't. And we, never, and we still won't when this is over because some oh. of it's going to be classified briefings in camera 
Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, 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 I am coming away from this basically saying this was a serious situation. You're right. But I, I, I'm not sure that the threshold for calling the legal threshold for calling the Emergencies Act was met here. I agree. Um, despite the fact that there does seem to be a really interesting collapse of authority and, and capacity that's also happening simultaneous to all of this, which is yeah. just... also, can I just say like, how wonderful has this inquiry been and how much of a, how should I say this, a very pleasant, um, for journalists in Canada, people may not be aware of this, but oh, this Canada is, is yeah, this is Christmas. Like there, we don't, uh, Canada has a very closed um, bureaucratic society. Yeah. Um, it's very, very hard to cover anything here like police don't talk bureaucrats don't talk civil servants don't talk can i interview you fuck you okay can i see the documents fuck you yeah can 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 i please get an interview about this particular topic we'll put in a formal request through our communications branch and then we'll send you a one-word answer like and this is very just just, no yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and like this is very distinct from american culture where I, i mean it's it's glorious whenever there's a story that has some kind of bleed over into american life because it means that I can call like the FBI agent and get him on the phone and he'll talk openly and candidly to me about something. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing? Or like DEA or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, I covered that. It was a big deal. Like, like, and it's just, it's so different. Like, oh, can I get these documents about this? Like, whatever. Sure, no, no problem. I'll, I'll FedEx oh, yeah. them to you. The or you yeah. call, or you call in like to some, some communications officer to a random sheriff's office. And they're, and they're like, yeah, I'll get right back to you on that. No problem. And I'm like, you will <laughs> i want just it's i once had a u.s federal department follow up with me later to make sure i'd gotten all i needed you did not oh my god that's hey man i, mean, I just wanted just to follow up not, did you get everything you needed was that helpful See? like it's just yeah. it's so it's well, just can i can i hug you can we yeah. can we be friends no it's it's mind-blowing so we don't in Canada don't get opportunities to get a sense of whatever what actually fucking happens in government yeah. like we do and this inquiry has been glorious because it's just been like oh you're you're lifting the veil I can see it so it's just been really wonderful for them. it's been absolutely wonderful exciting glorious and invigorating and also so goddamn demoralizing like oh because you, it's as bad as we thought it was or worse in some ways and you yeah. and I like <laughs> Ottawa failed to clear the very low bar I set for them. Mm. Good, and good, good news. I've got 15 years of bylines that prove the point that I have long been worried about our complete lack of seriousness and preparedness. It's worse than I thought. Mm. Well, maybe that's the dispatch. And I do think um, something else we warned about more than once at the line was how quickly the uh, public opinions everybody had fossilized on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are having an almost unprecedented opportunity here. We're seeing high profile people testify on the record. We're having thousands of pages, thousands of documents totaling tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of pages, um, that are being published here, fairly lightly redacted. Like I've been pleasantly surprised by the intelligence briefings I've been reading that have been publicized. This is just an orgy of information by our standards. And has a single mind been changed? Now, everybody, there there are two narratives out there that the um, that the convoyers in their entirety were Confederate Nazis here to destroy government and heroic Justin Trudeau stopped them. And if you question that, you are you stand with the Confederate Nazis. 
And the other narrative, of course, is uh, that Justin Trudeau is a dictator and the convoyers were brave, peace, peaceful protesters shoveling snow off the war memorial. And anyone who says, oh, why is this fake news media? Yeah. And no one, no minds are changing. Well, and- let's, 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 not, let's not base our perception of reality and mind changing solely on Twitter here. Let's, I'm, let's, I'm let's, watching public opinion. It hasn't moved. Well, okay. Well, let's 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 wait for the the inquiry to be over. Let's wait for the information to be thoroughly sorted, and let's see let's see how people feel in a couple of months. That's sometimes that's how it, it takes time for information to sort of sink in. Can I ask you um, one question though? And this is yeah. this is not to sandbag you. I'm just genuinely curious. What do you think happens in public sentiment, public opinion, if the conclusion of Poek basically is it was a real challenge. It was a possible national security threat. It was a real economic problem and that the threshold of the Emergencies Act was not met. Because I think people keep, like, I, I'm, I'm telling my, my, my liberal friends and my liberal harassers that stop telling me how serious the situation it was. I don't, like, I know. Don't tell me that. Tell me that the situation was so serious that it could not be handled under any existing laws of Canada. That I think I'm paraphrasing that, but that's yeah. the word in the Emergencies Act here. Yeah. What if Poek comes out with a conclusion that it was a huge problem, but didn't require the Emergencies Act? I mean, I I, I think that's a boon to the Conservatives. Well, m- yeah, probably, but I mean, more fundamentally, is the Canadian collective body politic enough, mature enough to have a nuanced thought? Well, we'll find out. I'm betting no. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think that right now we're in the thick of it, and I think that we're in the in the thick of it is not a good moment to gauge public opinion on this. Um, and also, like public opinion doesn't it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And I mean, and there's no there's no accountability mechanism in the Emergencies Act other than the Commission. Like mm-hmm. hypothetically, and I'm not I'm not betting on this. Hypothetically, Justice Rouleau could come out with his report, which is that this is a disgrace, totally unnecessary, wildly inappropriate, and a massive failure by Justin Trudeau. And Trudeau will go, we stood up for Canadians. And Jagmeet Singh will go, you're a loser, we hate you, but we vote for you anyway. And nothing happens. Well, that's because the only real accountability mechanism here is an Democratic, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the system. The only other, the only other thought I would have on um, Poex stuff, and you, and it was actually your thought, so I'm just kind of ripping off a bit. I wrote for TVO earlier in the week that Justin Trudeau, uh, no, sorry, the other guy, Doug Ford, uh, is being a massive wimpy baby, and he's been asked, uh, he was asked by Poex to uh, give an interview, he declined. He was now then asked to testify, he de- under oath, he declined. He's now been summoned to testify, and he's fighting the summons. What a gigantic man, baby. What a pathetic little snowflake marshmallow. People are saying, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a, like, you know, Doug Ford himself is saying it's a federal commission into a federal response. Yeah, it's a federal commission into a federal response into a crisis in Ontario. Hmm. Show up. Doug, this is, and this is the point you made, and I did not make this in my earlier TBO column. And as soon as you pointed it out to me, I kicked myself because you're right, I should have. Doug Ford bails at moments yep. of crisis. Yeah. And we saw that throughout the pandemic. And I'm sure you could, because you're in Ontario, you could point to three or four other examples of this, but this is now a pattern of behavior. When 
you know, when uh, the first his first year in office, his, his um, premier's office was in meltdown. Dean French, his uh, his then chief of staff, mm-hmm. was fired. The caucus was in revolt. Doug Ford vanished for three months. Went up to the cottage, mm-hmm. and I and I, I think that was probably a smart political strategy at that moment, mm-hmm. which was like, ooh, everybody hates me right now. I'm going to go cool off, and I'm going to let the cooler heads at uh, Ontario PC Party headquarters run things for a while, and it ended up working. Like, like it it worked for him. Uh, same thing uh, happened during the height of the pandemic several times yep Yep. uh there was there was there was one weird period for a couple of days there it was well i wrote about this a lot at the line um when when the third wave overtook ontario it was kind of like one of those weird like deer in headlights thing for the for the provincial government because the numbers were obviously telling us that a catastrophe was happening and we like we learned with COVID, right? You're always looking at a two or three week lag in your numbers, and the numbers were like, "Holy shit! In two or three weeks, we are in deep trouble." And the government's like, "We're opening bars, we're opening hair salons," and the rest of us are like, "What the fuck?" And then it was like, there was like a psychic break somewhere in the government, and then two or three later, sure enough, the hospitals are in a state of almost total collapse. Doug Ford gives like a tearful press conference and he disappears. Hmm. And I remember at the time texting with like my colleagues and we're like, is the premier in a padded room somewhere? Mm-hmm. Like, where is the premier of Ontario? And then after about three or four, maybe five days, he kind of reemerged, but like he was just gone. And uh, we've seen that at other times, including Mommy, the first there's two. No time for work, there's no time for work. <laughs> You're right. There is no time for there work. There is no time. There's Sorry, no buddy. Time. We are doing. We are no doing work. To call, mommy. Yep. And yet there I'm going. Some time to. We need to escape doors. I need to escape. Yeah, we're indoors. Yep. What do we need to do once we escape? We need to find a key. A key. Yeah, a door key. A door, a key to the door, so I can escape. Yeah, but the keys, but the back door is not the exit. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you go downstairs and look for a key? Mommy, come on. I can't, baby, but I will come with you in a few minutes, all right? Can you give mommy a kiss? I love you. You can take those. Okay, scooch, scooch, scooch. And he is having a way better day than we are. Um, You could totally not clip that because that was hilarious. Do you want me to leave that in? Totally do it. All right, I'll leave that in. Um, uh, what was this? Sorry. Um, uh, anyway. At the start of the convoy crisis, disappeared for two weeks. Disappeared for two weeks. So, and now, and now he's disappeared again. Yep. So there's this is this is just I think it's worth noting is that now either he is disappearing or his advisors are telling him to get lost. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He disappears. I think that's just an interesting thing to note. It's an interesting pattern of behavior to note. You know what it is? Uh, what? Doug Ford's not a leader. He's a sales guy. And there this was this was something that was pointed out to me by a guy I know socially um, who knew Doug in his pre-political life back when he was just running daddy's labels business. Mm-hmm. Doug Ford is a great salesman, mm. but being a leader, I mean, like in sales guys, they want to make the pitch. They want to build the relationship. They want to be the, come on, let's get stuff done. Leaders sometimes have to be the asshole. Mm-hmm. Leaders have to be the guy saying, no. Leaders have to be the guy going, we're not, we're not doing that. And that's not Doug Ford. Doug Ford's a sales guy. And it's work for him because he's won two majorities because he makes the sale. 
But then when it comes time to lead, melts. No, thank you, darling. When it comes time to lead, he just wilts. <laughs> you have uh, dispatched your son on a on a journey. A journey, uh, an a adventure, journey. Yeah. an adventure to a tent. Well, you know what? I, I was done everything I had to say there anyway. Uh, do you want to talk Alberta for a minute? Because you were telling me about yeah, um, this is something that the came latest up. roller coaster. Dan yeah, Kostner. last week that basically uh, Daniel Smith said that she was going to cancel an Alberta Health Services contract that was signed with the WEF. It's over a fairly minor administrative thing the, the AHS has done. Um, you know, I think that's probably worth noting. There is nothing wrong with cutting a contract with the, the WEF, and there's nothing wrong with necessarily with criticizing the WEF. But the problem here is that this is obviously playing into it's it's a very symbolic act that is playing into a conspiracy theory that the WEF is really running the show. And it's fucked up. That's just that's just kind of what I want to say. Like like the WEF is not running the show. Like Alberta Health Services has some minor administrative contract with this group that doesn't who cares? Like it's it's a nothing. Um but anyway, that's just worth worth noting that she's kind of playing into those waters yet again. So there you go. I, from thousands of miles away, I mean, I don't, I, like, I find Alberta fascinating. So I pay more attention than I bet most um, Laurentian elitists do. But I can't tell what lane she's picking. And maybe if I was paying a lot more attention to the coverage, I would. But it seems to me like we're getting moderate, approachable, likable Danielle Smith at a press conference. And then two days later, fuck the WEF. Like, I'm not. I don't know what she, her strategy she's, she's, is here. She's trying to put a lot of fairly extreme and absurd conspiratorial type um, uh, of tribal messaging into a, a respectable package is kind of what the way that I would I would put it. I, I just find it interesting. Like I, I yeah. defer to you and all and all stuff Alberta, but I'm I'm confused yeah. by what I'm seeing. So here, here's a fun one as well. Um, so you, you'll you'll do something on that. I don't just I don't, a little blurb on that. I don't think it's worth majorly highlighting. But it's just it's, it was just an interesting headline for me. So, so there's two more things on my list, and then you can go join uh, join your son on the quest. Um, one of them is I'm I'm a little bit conflicted. I don't know if we can write about this, and I just mean I don't know if either of us knows enough. But are we starting to see? And I don't want to overreact to a few narratives, which is like, you, I think the listeners and viewers will know I'm I'm thinking this one out loud. I'm not committed to this narrative yet. But we had some uh, municipal in, elections uh, in the country uh, over the last week. And there seems to have been um, a rebuke of progressive uh, can candidates for mayor. I don't know the ward level riding races. I'm sure a bunch of um, solid uh, uh, progs won ward levels. But in Winnipeg, there was an upset where uh, Glenn Murray, uh, former federal provincial federal liberal, I don't remember which, Prague, he lost. In Ottawa, Catherine McKinney, um, and they are uh, a f former uh, council person and uh, very much uh, progressive left, lost. Mark Sutcliffe, the uh, former broadcaster, a guy I've worked with. He he won, and he won as the centrist. And in Toronto, um, you know, uh, deep deep center of the universe, four one six La La Land, John Tory, the the former conservative leader, won, and he won huge. 
Patrick Brown won huge. Now there's, there's another narrative going around that kind of like being like, if you want to become a mayor in Ontario, be a failed provincial leader because Andrew Horvath, uh, Stephen Del Duca and Patrick Brown have all also led provincial parties and now they're all mayors. I'm, I'm not convinced there's a narrative here, but I am, I'm interested. And I think we should maybe poke around a little bit here. Well, if I'm going to uh, just su suggest that there might be a bit of a trend here, it's just like, I, I think that the, the you know, I think political currents kind of swing back and forth. You know, there are political currents that swing progressive. There are political currents that swing conservative in line with, broadly speaking, macroeconomic and geopolitical factors. Yep. And it seems to me, and it seemed to me for the last year or so that the the current is very much shifting from a progressive current to a conservative current as a result yep. of inflation war shit getting dark shit getting getting real for people Pandemic and i think era, there's also a bit of a uh, public health overreach public health yep. overreach exactly all of these things are people are even people who are on the more center or maybe even a little bit more left of center but went like you know maybe we've gone a little too far in some places and there's this this broad sort of um, current that is shifting toward a more conservative flow. And I think that that is reflective of what we saw actually in the United States as well. Last couple of years, you've seen a, a movement toward more conservative municipal um, mayors and candidates in line with people reacting against the um, uh, de de defund all the police and uh, reacting in, li in line with sort of um, uh, growing rates of homelessness and 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 progressive policies that aren't actually making cities safer and better let's just put it mm -hmm. that way so maybe what we're seeing here is we know that what happens in canada is sort of a year or two removed from what happens in america we could just very well be seeing that kind of current shifting here as well you know given the state of the world it doesn't surprise me that voters are looking for more um basic. grounded basic status quo type um candidates um, I think you actually said this before we started talking. It's like, I'm not interested in talking about trans kids. I'm interested in talking about potholes, you know, like that, that's, that, that seems about right to me. So, you know, to be, John to be, Tory to be clear, that was not me being frustrated. That was me trying to encapsulate my analysis. Encapsulate, exactly. Mood. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, no. I, I John Tory encapsulates think. that movement for me. Like he's a classic status quo, like stable kind of not going to rock the boat dude in a moment when the world is getting really unstable and rocky. Sort of, but in the Toronto context, John Tory has now been in the job long enough that he, like, if you want to fix the potholes, you got to vote him out. Like, there, there was this interesting dynamic where the left-wing challenger in Toronto was also the guy pledging, like, basic core service competency. So I think it depends on your local political context, but to your point, don't tell me about trans kids, don't tell me about climate change, don't tell me about carbon tax. Why do, my, why do I have no nurses in my hospital? Why is the crime in my neighborhood up? Why are there homeless people everywhere? And I, I, it's funny, TVO right now has me basically on the POEC beat. That's what I'm doing. But up until then, a few weeks, I'd just been pounding the war drum. If you are a politician and you want to tell me how worried you are about rising populism, but like basic shit in your area of jurisdiction is falling apart, you are the problem. Don't tell me about foreign owned corporate media don't tell me about disinfo or misinfo don't tell me about social media echo chambers if you are fix the federal... passport office Bingo. <laughs> if you are a federal liberal i don't want to hear one word from you about rising populism until the passport office works well and this is and this and this comes goes down to a competency issue because i mean how do you expect people to trust you to fix the internet for fuck's sakes yeah. if you can't run a passport office like you know what i mean like it's just 
it's absurd. It, it, it's, it's, it, you know, you've broken, if you can't get basic services right, there's a fundamental breakdown of trust. And I right? think so. And I think like we, we have to remember, and I don't say, I don't mean to say this is an elitist, but you and I pay more attention to the news than 99.9% yeah. of the Canadian population. We pay more attention to policy than 99.9% of the Canadian population. The average voter does not have the time or the energy or the inclination to care about this stuff. Well, and this is, this is what I was, the point I was going to make with, with John Tory. It may very well be the progressive candidate was running on a core competency message, but yeah. how many people actually registered that versus went? John Tory has <clears throat> been around for a while. He seems all right. Yeah, but yes, but the point I was going to make is different. The average person out there doesn't give a shit about lines of jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. If their municipal services suck and they're angry and it's a federal election, they'll take it out on the incumbent. Yeah, they're not going to go, well, who who actually has responsibility for this? If they're angry, they take it out on the incumbent. And they don't care about the details of jurisdictional responsibility and, and departmental overlap. They just get mad. And again, yeah. if you want to tell me about populism, but your passport office doesn't work or your local hospital provincial level doesn't have nurses or municipal level, you can't pick up the trash on time. You yeah. are the problem. Yeah. You, you are the problem. So don't tell me about the problem. Fix the problem. Well, not that, but even those little, those little acts of daily sort of friction that people go through when they are um uh interfacing with their government their municipalities all of that that adds to sort of baseline stress that is like i said it, it slowly breaks apart trust in institutions and it and it like, like it's it's kind of broken windows theory on a political scale yeah. but essentially that's that's it so anyway i think that's that's worth noting i i i, I don't know i don't no. know if you or i want to say say about that but the other one we want to talk about was and you made this note and it the, flows the, right out of what you were just saying there about trust and institutions Proggies are hitting the Bank of Canada as the Proggies Bank of Canada are hitting starts the banks of Canada. as the Bank of Canada starts to raise interest rates and put Canada at risk of a serious re regret or recession. Yeah, Singh and the Toronto Star editorial board are suddenly getting suspicious about you know Bank of Canada is maybe not doing everything. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember that old saying right like one like once is bad luck twice is coincidence three times is enemy action. Um, mm -hmm. And I saw like Jagmeet Singh a couple of times has come out and criticized the Bank of Canada for raising interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of I just roll my eyes and I'm like, well, this is confirming everything anyone has ever said about the NDP not having the first fucking clue about how the world works. The Toronto Star editorial board is now telling the Bank of Canada governor to to slow it down because interest rate hikes are are hurting the people and stuff. And of course they are. I get yes. it. That's what. Yeah. Guess what? Chemo makes you sick, guys. The Bank of Canada is applying bad medicine to the economy to prevent a worse disease yes because uh, that because essentially they have one tool at their disposal yeah. and it's a very um uh it's a very crude tool it's like trying to go into surgery with a machete but that's yep. the only thing they have so we've got we've got a machete problem. yeah and i just think you know pierre polyev and look you and i have been critical of pierre polyev for mm -hmm. saying yeah. he'll fire the governor of the bank of canada we think that's inappropriate but i also think it's inappropriate for jagmeet singh to be whoops pardon me I think it's inappropriate for Jagmeet Singh to be telling the Bank of Canada to stop. I don't care as much about the Star Editorial Board because that's that's what that's what we do. Like that's I don't that's know. Is it, we, is it inappropriate for the opposition leader to make? Because I mean, to me, this is also very hilarious because it completely parallels what Krechan did back well, in the '90s. Because this was exactly the same situation where the Bank of Canada was raising interest rates, 
um, in order to keep inflation in check. And as a result, they were worsening a pretty bad uh, 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 recession that had that had an accompanied unemployment, high unemployment rate. And it was the progressives or the liberals in this in that case who were attacking the Bank of Canada for doing that. They were just like, you know what, you were taking a too narrow view of the economy and you were you were you're hurting the people and blah, 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 blah. So like, it's just, it's just fascinating to me that, you know, when it's inflation, it's the conservatives who lose their shit. And when it's uh high interest rates and unemployment, it's the progressives who lose their shit. I like think... it's, it's, and so the cycle of life continues. <laughs> I, th- this is my, re- this is my take. Progressives are going to try and make, uh, see how many angels or voters they can balance on the head of the pin that stands between Pierre Polyev saying uh, Macklem should be fired and, Jagmeet saying saying he should stop doing what he's doing and they're going to tell us how it's a huge difference and it respects oh Jagmeet Singh isn't 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 tearing apart the institution he's just telling it to stop hurting Canadians like at a certain point we're gonna have to come up with some actual rules and standards of like what is and is not good for our institutions and you know one of my recurring themes that I try to tell people all the time, and I, I've said this before, there is nothing more blind than a Canadian centrist or, or progressive. They genuinely don't realize they're part of the problem. They think that the, a Canadian centrist or progressive thinks that everything wrong with our country today is completely contained within the conservative movement, right? And it they they don't understand because they're too close to it that they're all part of the same fucking dysfunctional system and they're looking at like it's it's that gift are we the baddies are we the, like they don't realize they're part of it so the they're going to be progressive the, the progressives are feeding into the neuroses of the conservatives who then and vice versa. react and react and then they they, they 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 play off of one another that's it's, the issue it's matter and antimatter and they don't realize it and i'm i'm horrified about what I see happening in the modern conservative movement. But I've been horrified about what I've been seeing in some of the weirder lefty fringes for a long time too. But people, all of us have our biases, all of us have our blind spots, I get it. But I just find it amazing. There will be millions of Canadians who will be appalled by Pierre Polyev saying that the Bank of Canada governor should be fired, who will see nothing whatsoever wrong with Jagmeet Singh saying, whoa, that's enough, because it's different. Well, I mean, Jagmeetson isn't calling for him to be fired. It's that's yeah, but who cares? Like we we have we have an independent central bank governor or we don't. Hmm. Like the argument against firing Tiff Macklem isn't that he's a great guy. It's that it would well, erode the independence of the saying, bank. I'm gonna with not disagreeing with your thesis, I'm gonna defend saying a little bit here. I don't think that the argument or the criticism of Pierre here was that he was criticizing the Bank of Canada. You can it's it's fine to criticize the Bank of Canada for its moves. There's nothing that's inherently institutionally rotting about just saying I think that this is a bad move and criticizing them. Like or maybe it's not appropriate for an opposition leader. I don't or 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 a prime minister, maybe there's like a point at which like an MLA or an MP can do this, but a but a but a leader can't. I mean, maybe it's fine for the media to do this or it's fine for their economists to do this, but not you know, like I I don't I don't know. Like to what extent does do the rules around an opposition leader change because he's an opposition leader? I don't think I, that's the question here. I think I think the question here is to, to what extent the rules change when you're opposing from the left as opposed to the right. Yeah, but I'm just saying I don't think that it's inappropriate to criticize the Bank of Canada. 
Oh, you know, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. That, no, okay. I, I get what you're saying now. I don't care about that. I actually don't think I have an opinion on that. All I'm asking is for there to be a rule that we adhere to. So if if it's okay for opposition leaders to criticize the Bank of Canada governor, then Pierre Polyev, all he's doing is being a little more bombastic about it. If it's not okay, Jagmeet Singh's doing exactly what Polyev's doing. Don't you think there's a difference politely. between like calling for him to be fired versus saying, I don't think you should continue to raise interest rates? No, not if the... Not if the objective is preserving the independence of the bank. I'm going to put the new one with this sure. guy. Because I don't want this guy. I want a new one of this guy. Okay, I'll get you a new SD card. Get you right on that. Yeah, I want a new card. Okay, babe, I think it's time for us to uh, say goodbye to Matt and to everybody at the line. No, come here. They got to see you. Can you say bye? Bye. Bye. That's a special guest appearance from my little guy. You can be oh, yeah, school. I know. Aren't you cute? Do you have anything to say about the independence of the Bank of Canada? That's no reason. Do you have anything to say about the, the independence of the Bank of Canada? I don't know. That's fair. That's you know what? The, That's a very, what? very honest and The only fair honest response. answer. Like, most yep. citizens aren't brave enough to admit that. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, so we're, we're, we're recording this early, so we'll publish this later today. And, uh, oh, my, my military column is ready for your review. Okay, I will read it next. And uh, let's get off the line, and then we can we can right. we can parcel out who's going to write what. Thanks, everybody. See you, Jamie. Bye. 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 All right. Thanks. All right. That's it. We welcome Jen Kirsten's son to the podcast. We thank you for listening. Our dispatch, of course, will be going out on Saturday, and we'll be back with you on Monday. We didn't mention this, but we have something fun coming up on Monday—a double feature. We're hoping if we can get all the columns arranged. Halloween-themed columns from your favorite line editors. We hope you have an amazing weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday.